Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 412, Joe and Big Al are back with a Secure Act 2.0 recap and a proposed backdoor 529 strategy from the new law. Plus, is there a scenario where it makes sense to not max out your retirement accounts to avoid being retirement rich and cash poor? Also, the fellas' thoughts on the break-even point for Social Security, RMDs from inherited IRAs, and of course, Roth strategies, as in the five-year rules for Roth withdrawals, preserving Roth money and avoiding early withdrawal penalties, and Roth conversions to offset brokerage account losses. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Hopefully everyone had a wonderful holiday season. We're back grinding away. Uh, took a couple of weeks off. Uh, appreciate you hanging with us. Uh, this is going to be the best year at. Best year yet. Yeah. Best good year. start. Yeah. I like that. Start. It's like, oh, that's a new slang way of saying yet. You're, you're, best year at. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> I'm thinking mini year. Yeah, just putting them together. Best year at. Save, <laughs> save time. You got to save time. <laughs> you do. You got to get to the questions here, Big Al. You're right. Okay. Um, all right. Let's start with Eric um, out of Sacramento, little NorCal. Uh, in a recent Secure Act 2.0, there's a reference to allow excess 529 funds to be rolled over into the Roth IRA up to $35,000. This sounds like a great post-retirement backdoor method. I have no income to make continued Roth IRA backdoors. I like backdoors. Yeah, right. That's That word keeps coming up in our show, doesn't it? It's the back doors. It's the garage door. It's the Megatron. Megatron. Every, everyone, Joe. Everyone likes the secret entrance, like the back door. So yeah. here's no, we got a school. We got a school door. Okay. Five twenty nine plan. Got it. Um, so I can open a five twenty nine plan with myself as beneficiary, retired at age sixty, and in fifteen years, age seventy five, move it to my Roth IRA, rinse and repeat for my spouse. It sounds like a great way to convert more dollars to a Roth in retirement, in addition to regular rollovers. Is my thinking correct? Um, your thinking is somewhat correct. Let's answer the question, and then, Al, let's kind of review high level of what the SECURE Act, because that was just signed maybe a few weeks ago. Okay. Okay, so he, he is correct in the sense that what they're doing is that if you have excess contributions in a 529 plan, so a 529 plan is an educational plan, that is a tax-free vehicle if used uh -huh. for higher education. So if you take the dollars out of the 529 plan and you didn't use it for education, maybe the kids got scholarships, they didn't go to school, whatever, and then you had all this money sitting in a 529 plan, to get the money out, you would have to pay um, taxes and penalties on the earnings because uh, it's an after-tax contribution. So the SECURE Act 2.0 says, you know what, for those of you that have access contributions in a 529 plan, we will allow you to move money into a Roth IRA because it's already after tax. It was growing tax deferred. And it's like, well, let's not penalize these people. Let's move. Let's allow them to move that money into a Roth IRA, up to $35,000. Uh, but there's a lot of catches and caveats here. It sounds pretty good on the surface. However, Eric, uh, you need earned income. So for you to move money from the 529 plan into a Roth IRA, and if you don't have earned income, you're not eligible to do this. Um, second, if you're already making IRA contributions, for this is that doesn't apply for Eric, but for people that are already making Roth IRA contributions or IRA contributions, it's the same limit. You can't just dump 35,000 into the Roth 
it's a maximum of 35,000. So you can move whatever the maximum allowable um, contribution limit is in that given year. So let's say it's $6,500. You're able to move $6,500 of the 529 plan as a contribution into the Roth. So even though there's some relief for people that have larger balances in 529 plans, and it is probably, and, and it has the season for 15 years. So if you don't have a 529 plan, you open one up, it has to be in the plan for 15 years. And if you're making contributions as well, um, throughout, even though the account was opened up 15 years ago, the last contribution needs to be at least five years prior. So, um, you know, on the surface, it sounds pretty good, but, you know, as as you dive in with anything, you know, it it, it doesn't maybe sound as, as great as, as it as it sounds. Yeah, it's a it is it's a nice idea. I, I'm not sure how many people are gonna use it because of all the limitations you just said. And so you can only do sixty five hundred a year, right? Uh, thirty five thousand would be your total. You have to qualify to do the sixty five hundred with earned income, as you mentioned, Joe. And you've got to have the a 529 plan open for at least 15 years. So uh, anyway, it's uh, it, it it's not going to apply to maybe everybody or even a lot of people. But for those that it does, it's you know it's a nice little thing. It's a slowly getting more money into Roth IRA, which is kind of similar to a backdoor backdoor Roth. Yeah. So I mean, here's where I think this applies: is that you know. <clears throat> So like myself, let's say I'm, I'm in my 40s and I want to put more money into a Roth IRA for my retirement. And maybe I qualify, maybe I don't qualify for a Roth IRA contribution. You could, you know, fund a 529 plan, you know, and let it grow for 15 years and then see where you you fall in 15 years. And potentially you can move some of that into a Roth unless they change the law in, in the next 15 years as well. Yeah, right. Which they probably will. But <laughs> nevertheless. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it, it, it's good intentions. It's good thinking. Um, so for people that do have um, 529 plans, you are eligible to move that into a Roth um, up to $6,500 per year if you have earned income. So a couple of other real high notes here is that they changed the RMD. Um, so instead of 72, now it's 73. And then if you're born after 1959, it's 75. Um, some Additional catch-up contributions for people that are 61 through 63, and I think that starts in a couple of years, 2024 maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, Joe, most of the provisions start in 2024. The the RMD starts, the RMD change starts in 2023. Correct. Uh, let's see. There's the Roth, uh, Rothification. Remember that word? Yes. So... Um, a lot of things are turning into Roth. You can do a Roth simple plan, a Roth set plan. Um, even your 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 catch-up contributions for higher income wage earners are going to go in Roth versus uh, pre-tax. So if you want to take advantage of the catch-up contributions in your 401k plans, um, you're eligible to do so if they have a Roth provision in the plan. Um if you're a high wage earner and it's all going in Roth. So I think the IRS likes Roth because they get their tax money today. Um, but I think they'll probably not necessarily like it um, several years down the road when everyone has all this money in a tax-free pool. 
Yeah, I think you're right. One other thing about the RMD is required minimum distributions. So currently, if you don't take the distribution when you're supposed to, it's a 50% penalty. So that's going to go down to 25%. Uh, and then they also have a stipulation that if you correct it, you found out later and you correct it in a timely manner, it's only a 10% penalty, which is still high, but it's not as high as 50%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 50% was crazy. It's a crazy number. I don't know how, I mean, I guess that's how serious they were in getting, <laughs> making you take money out of your IRA so they can get their tax money. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, so yeah, now it's 25%. Um, thank right. you very much. <laughs> uh, um, let's see anything else. Not, um, yeah, let's see. I think that I think you touched on the on probably the biggest things. Um, let me just kind of. I mean, we do the, have a guide on our website. People can download if they want to see the most recent uh, changes from Secure Act 2.0. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of little like like qualified charitable distributions have been hundred thousand dollars per person. That's that's where you can actually give money out of your IRA directly to charity if you're seventy and a half, and it can count for your required minimum distribution. That'll start to be indexed for inflation. A lot of little stuff like that. But um, anyway, yeah, I guess uh, I guess the guide is where to go, right? Yeah, get the guy. Yeah, us. huh? <laughs> Selling some stuff. <laughs> um, where, where, Andy, where the, where, where's the guide? As always, you can just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to download that Secure Act 2.0 guide for free right from the podcast show notes and to watch the video recap about the new law, too. And for future reference, if you go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click on financial resources, you can find all our white papers and handbooks and guides there, including the Secure Act 2.0 guide. But the podcast show notes should always be your first stop. I guarantee no one's going to be able to find that. (laughs) (laughs) But give it a shot because you never know. Give it a shot. Or just email Andy. There you go. Perfect. She'll she'll send it to you. (laughs) So, okay. I've got Roberto calling in. Uh, Joan Al, thank you for taking the time to read my very long email. Apologies. I'm on the verge of Santa paying all of us a visit nonetheless okay it was a nice surprise while jake and i were taking a stroll around the lake of circa snort freezing 25 what what the, what is this circa snot freezing negative 25 degree wind chill type temp so he's thanking you for the fact that you answered his question before christmas before santa paid us all a visit and now he's asking you another question oh this one took me forever this is the guy yes I remember that. trying to be cute and funny. Who's Jake? Who the hell's one? Like his dog. Oh, <laughs> you remember that? But, you know, I'm like, hey. well, I don't, but Addie does. Yeah. Okay. We are in the take social security <laughs> as late as, okay. We're in the, the social security camp that will take. Oh God. I got to, I, I should read these, especially Just, when say that every time. Well, <laughs> Some oh, of this oh, stuff is like in Greek. Only certain ones. We are in the take Social Security as late as possible camp, but would <laughs> like to hear your thoughts on when you take Social Security. As a brief recap, both 53, two girls at private high schools, wife and I have pensions of 30 and 40. Isn't she the CEO? And he's. Yeah, I think that's right. Yes. Um, 30, 40 um, per year combined at 60. Wife Social Security is four grand. His is three grand. Uh, total portfolio sits around 3 million, um, not including 
in the current overall balance of our portfolio, our wives RSUs ESOP, which we uh, think that is gravy. So let's get to the questions here. In general, if one has pensions coming as we do, enough savings to cover a more than comfortable lifestyle during retirement, cover college expenses, et cetera, and more importantly, a good handle on one's current cash flow situation and the one which will be insuring after calling yeah, it quits. He just needs to ask the question. <laughs> it's like so many words and there's no questions. <laughs> I think that's the stars are questions now that Is I see Is there a break-even moment that makes sense to take Social Security, given all of that? <laughs> oh, my goodness, gosh. Um, is there well, a break-even moment? Well, there's two things to consider here. We don't believe that Social Security is an investment. It's an income. So there is no break-even in an income, right? Because you don't know when you're going to die. So we believe that you want to maximize it as much as you possibly can. So you want to delay it. That's going to give you the highest benefit. And if you're in good health, you're probably going to live a life, nice, long, healthy lifestyle and write these emails to me until you you pass. (laughs) And I'm going to have a short life expectancy reading them. Um, (laughs) But is there a break even? The break even, if you look at it and say, here, I'm going to take it, I'm going to invest it. And it depends on what rate of return that you're using. Um, you know, we've seen break-evens if you use a high rate of return on the investment in the 90s, or if you just look at a straight break-even dollar of, hey, if I take it at 62 versus 67 versus 70, how long do I have to live to to bank the, the total value? You know, I mean, that could be 85. Yeah, we, I've seen 79 to 82, but yeah, that's, I agree with you. I don't really think of it that way. I, I especially when you've got plenty of money, uh, at the at the very least, I would have the the one that has the higher benefit wait till age seventy because no matter which one survives the other one, the survivor will get that benefit. The, you know, but what can change all this is if you have impaired life expectancy, which we don't know, right? So that that can. But as a general rule, actually, he you, does it, say that they've got good long genes. Okay. Oh, very good. So as a general rule, I would like to wait as long as possible because I look at it as longevity insurance, if you will. I think that uh, that's a way to think about it. And it's certainly at least the highest social security benefit. Wait as long as you can to maximize that benefit for whoever survives the other one. Yep. Remember when we had, what was that social security guy's name that would like talk and then pause? Oh, the, the, yeah. The, the guy from El Cajon. That we'd always <laughs> I forget his him. name. Uh, yeah, I know exactly who you mean. And we 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 would start asking the next question. He was just taking a long breath. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't very good. Yes, but his claim was always take it early and then invest in like tax-free municipal bonds. Yeah. You don't need the money and you're going to, you know, because you're not going to get taxed on it and but then all these other experts came out and he was like, uh <laughs> maybe you should probably delay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks again for this obnoxious email. I love it how you know people just put their own little sense of humor into it, and then I try to read it like a normal email. And just, well, it doesn't help that there's like no capitalization, and <laughs> it's just a, a one run-on sentence. Makes it pretty rough to read. <laughs> Tom writes in. He goes, "Hey guys, first of all, thanks for your podcast. Really enjoy them. I'm a little confused about the five-year rule regarding Roth conversions." All right. Okay. Welcome to the club, Tom. <laughs> I think everyone's confused by five-year clock. I always love to hear you talk about that, Joe. I know it's <laughs> your, a passion of yours. 
It, it is a passion. Yes. It's like every week we got to explain the stupid rule. <laughs> and it is uh, a stupid rule. It is so complicated. There's so many, there's so many different five-year clocks and it, it's just crazy. Um, I'm 66 years old. And I'm subject. Am I subject to the five-year rule when converting funds from my traditional IRA to my Roth IRA since I'm over 59 and a half? I understand that the conversion is taxable as income, but I'm confused about the five-year rule. In other words, am I able to withdraw converted funds, uh, the converted funds principal and earnings from my Roth IRA without penalty as long as it's converted after I turn 59 and a half? Thanks, Tom. Tom, that was a very well-written email. Yeah. It, it, it flowed. We got to the point. Right. The question, now we've got email reviews. <laughs> I mean, it was very nice. I really appreciate it's that, got, Tom. It's got capital letters to start the sentence. It has periods. <laughs> yes, and it has periods. And there's and no it has, it, there's no double words or words that shouldn't be in there or misspelled yes. words. And just like the, their weird slang that they like to talk. And, you know, they're not. he's not trying to be funny. He's just getting, you know, he's getting to the point. So thank yep. you, Tom. Um, and I get his confusion here. So the, the answer is maybe. So there's two five-year clocks. So there's two five-year clocks for everyone that is under 59 and a half. And there's basically one five-year clock if you're over 59 and a half. So Tom said he's 66 years old and he's going to convert money into a Roth IRA. Does he have the five-year clock to worry about? The answer is yes, if this is his first Roth IRA that he's ever established. Because all Roth IRAs, no matter what age you are, has a five-year seasoning. So what that means is if I'm 70 years old, I put money into a Roth IRA. If I convert it or a contribution, the earnings need to season for five years within the Roth IRA to receive the tax-free treatment. So if he converted at 70, or in this case, 66 years old, if he never opened up a Roth IRA, yes, he has to wait five years to take advantage of the tax-free distributions. However, if he had a Roth IRA already established five years prior and he converts into that Roth IRA or a separate Roth IRA, doesn't matter, then the answer is yes, he can take everything out tax-free. So it depends. Is the five-year clock, there's two five-year clocks for people under 59 and a half, and there's one five-year clock for people over 59 and a half. Yeah, but it's also confusing. If you're over 59 and a half and you convert $100,000, I'll just make up a number, right? You can always take that 100,000 out anytime you want. No harm, no penalty, no tax because you're over 59 and a half, you satisfy there's no no 10% penalty. You just have to wait 5 years for the earnings. And the way the IRS does, they don't make make you take it out pro rata or some earnings, some principal, they let you take your principal out first. So the hundred thousand grows to 120,000. You can still take the hundred thousand out anytime you want year one, year two, year three, year four. You just have to wait for the five years for that earnings part. So that's when you, when you read the IRS instructions on this, it is so confusing, but that's, that's the truth. When you're over 59 and a half, do a conversion, you have immediate access to what you converted. You just got to wait five years for the earnings without penalty, unless you already had a Roth IRA for five years. How about that? <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. I think between the, the two of us, I think maybe, we nailed it. Maybe someone will listen to it a hundred times and I got it now. Oh. <laughs> Don't we have a white paper on that too? Yes, we most certainly do. And you can also find that in the financial resources section of the website, or you can email me. 
All right, there you go. <laughs> Let's go to Jackson from Delaware. He goes, hey, Joe, Andy, Al, thanks again for an awesome, informative, and entertaining show. Your show makes me, your show makes my commute to work much more enjoyable while riding around my Tesla. Oh, he's part of the Tesla family. He oh. is. All right. Welcome, Jackson. So do you drive a Tesla when you're in Hawaii? Uh, not this time, but last time I came, I did. Yeah. Is what is it? Do you have a dog? Do I have what? Do you, is, is that a parrot a, like out in the a, yeah? What are you jungle near your house? What, what are you doing? Oh yeah, well I'm 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 right next to the window in my condo. Yeah, there's all kinds of birds outside, so it adds to the <laughs> ambiance of the show, and plus it, it it makes it very peaceful, so I can I can think calmly. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, for those of you that don't know, Al um, is in Hawaii. Um, and sometimes when we do the show later in the afternoon, he's got a couple my ties in him. <laughs> so we gotta we gotta be careful. You, you gotta about, do it about, early about the questions uh, that we're asking. So so we're bright and early here in uh, Hawaii time. So yeah, um, we are sharp as a tack. Yeah. All right, let's get back to Jackson. Yeah. He's um, let's see. Oh, the Tesla. Okay, my wife drives a Mini Cooper, a drink of choice IPA. Uh, no pets, but we do have two kids under five. Same thing, basically. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, screaming crap. Uh, <laughs> Personal experience. Do, 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 yeah, do you know? Do you know about that, Joe? I, I do know about that now. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, wondering if I could get your spitball analysis on a hypothetical strategy. A uh, couple retires at fifty, needs to bridge the gap for about ten years. Okay, so 50 to 59 and a half, 60. Yeah. Um, they need $100,000 a year for living expenses. Total assets, $5 million. What's up with this? Jeez. Everyone, this guy's got assets. Everyone's got five million. Well, he Everyone's does, got he five does, to 10 million. He does, say, he does say hypothetical. So maybe yeah. maybe he's not quite there yet. No, it's his buddies, his neighbors. Yeah. Uh, total assets, $5 million. $3 million pre-tax, $1.8 million Roth. Some of this was rolled from a Roth 401k, 600 of which was contributions, allegedly. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, 200k in brokerage. Wondering if I could get your thoughts on this strategy that potentially avoids the early withdrawal penalty using Roth accounts, but at the same time preserves the Roth IRA balance. All right, interesting. Okay. You got my attention right. here. What, what do you What do you got, Jackson? Okay, so he's going to do this. So for years one through five. He's going to simultaneously do Roth conversions and withdrawal of Roth contributions. So he's going to convert 100 from pre-tax to Roth, paying the taxes using the brokerage money, and then he's going to pull $100,000 from the Roth to live off of. From his contributions. So okay. he's going to convert 100 and spend 100. Yep. So the balance remains the same. Okay. All right. It's interesting. Like it so far. Um, then on years six through 10, after satisfying each five-year clock, one would begin pulling the Roth conversions that started at age 50 and continue with the pre-tax to Roth conversions in the amount of $100,000 a year. Okay. So from years six to 10, after satisfying each five-year clock, one will begin pulling the Roth conversions that started at age 50 and continue with the pre-tax to Roth conversions in the amount of 100000 Therefore, withdrawal from pre-tax accounts 
first to the desired tax bracket. Since it's ideal to touch your Roth balance last, would this leave your Roth balance somewhat unchanged from age 50 to 60 and essentially be the same as withdrawing pre-tax money without penalty? Alternatively, is this making things far more complicated than just using a 72T tax election? I haven't really read too much into this and would love for you guys to review it a bit more. I understand a negative to that is that the amount you must withdraw is set to the duration of the election. However, couldn't one just reinvest the funds in a tax, uh, brokerage account and market drops and funds are pulled out at a poor time? Of course, this is assuming you have other funds as a cushion. I'm sure I'm missing some, so please let me know. All right, so he wants to, man, this is this high level. He's, he's, you know, you know what, Joe? I, I think this works though. So, so he's he's trying to avoid the ten percent penalty, which is occurs when you take money out of your IRA at before fifty nine and a half. You can you can always take on a Roth contribution, right? You can always take your contributions out before age fifty nine and a half. And apparently, he's got enough Roth contributions to be able to pull out hundred thousand dollars for years one through five, age 50, 51, 52, and so on. Meanwhile, he's doing Roth conversions in each of those years, which starts a five-year clock for the conversion that within in year six, after year five, year six, you can actually withdraw that conversion amount without penalty. I, th I think this works. I think it's actually pretty clever. It's very clever. I I, I, I would not do this <laughs> if I was Jackson. Why? How because I'm going to do a 72T tax election. And what a 72T tax election is, is it allows you to take money from a retirement account. It's a separate equal periodic payment, SEPP. And so he's 50 years old. He wants to retire. He's got a ton of money in retirement accounts. And he's like, I got to get access to the money. I would do a 72T tax election. There's three ways to compute the 72T tax election. There's an RMD method. There's an amortization method. And there's an annuity method. And you can just go to like 72ttaxelection.com, Jackson, and then put in a balance and you can figure out what your payment's going to be. You can also break up the IRA. So he's got like $3 million or something like that in the retirement account. Right. And maybe he doesn't want to do the 72T tax election on the full $3 million. So maybe he takes a million dollars, does the 72T tax election on that, and that's going to give him, I don't know, $25,000, $30,000 a year. And so he's still short the seventy thousand. Then I would do the 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 whole Roth gig because <laughs> I'm going to start depleting my my IRA, right? And I'm going to be paying tax at lower brackets, and then I can convert a little bit. I, I mean, I would get a little bit more sophisticated, of course, in the strategy. But I think I would do the seventy two T tax election myself versus you know, taking FIFO and then converting the same amount and stealing Peter to pay Paul to keep my, my Roth balance. I would want to preserve my Roth as much as I can. So that's why I would do the 72 T. I would want to take more money out of the IRA and leave my Roth IRAs alone. Yeah. Well, I would do the opposite that for me, the 72 T usually you don't get it as, as much as you want, right? You just get, you don't, yeah, just, you're right. It, it, you it's, get pennies. it's not, it's not a lot. And then you're sort of stuck with that. And I think, I think the Roth account is preserved because yeah, you take a hundred thousand out, but at the same time you do a hundred thousand dollar conversion. So you're back in the same place. So I, I, I personally like the idea. Okay. All right. Well, let's see what Jackson does. Uh, we have Bob, he writes in from San Diego, he goes, I have more than a million dollars realized loss in my brokerage account this year. So can I convert this amount from my traditional IRA to my Roth IRA and offset this loss? 
Yeah, the answer is no, Bob, unfortunately, because when you do a Roth conversion, it's considered ordinary income, same as a salary, same as interest, same as dividends, same as pension. When you sell a stock or a piece of real estate at a loss, that's a capital loss, and you can only use capital losses against capital gains. And if you don't have any capital gains, you get to take $3,000 against that, that an ordinary loss, but that's it. And then the rest carries over for the rest of your life. If you do have a loss, then you get to offset it dollar for dollar. And whatever's still left, you'll still get another 3000 this year, plus the rest carries over over your lifetime. So unfortunately, that's a great question. We get asked that a lot, but you cannot. It's a different kind of uh, taxable income. What losses um, can offset a Roth conversion? Well, a good question. So, so let's say you've got a business right? That loses money. So, so that could be one. Let's say you have a big itemized deduction, big amount to charity. Uh, that could, that could help offset, although there's different rules on charitable contributions and there are more limitations. You gotta, you gotta think about, gotta consider. Um, if you have rental property losses that you're allowed to deduct because maybe your income was under a hundred thousand dollars and you can take $25,000 of losses, Right, that's uh, that's a that's an ordinary loss against a Roth conversion. Or if you're a real estate professional, you can actually take unlimited losses against your Roth conversion. Well, we've we've had real estate investors do that quite successfully. So I mean, there's a few, not many. Yeah, not tons. Yeah, million dollar capital loss. That that's gonna hurt. Oh yeah. But if he has other assets, well, remember the the movie producer, and he was he went to one of my classes. And he had a million dollar um, business loss. Wasn't that? Yeah. Remember that? I th- Yeah. I sort of have a vague memory of that, but, but, but yes. But the state of California doesn't recognize that, right? Um, on a business loss, they do. They don't recognize real estate professional. Got it. Have you got a financial strategy you want Joe and Big Al to spitball for you before you pull the trigger? For all your money questions, comments, suggestions, requests, stories to tell, or if you want a retirement spitball analysis, click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app, then click Ask Joe and Big Al on air. You'll see it right before the transcript. Send the fellows an email, or better yet, leave a voice message so Joe doesn't have to try to read your question himself. All right. Thank you for getting my question on the air for the guys to answer. I do have a f- two follow-ups, if you don't mind. Well, now you go on the clock. <laughs> Look out, Renee. We're yeah, we're going to send you a bill here. Um, if you recall, we have about $70,000 to invest each year. We are fortunate to have multiple retirement accounts to do that in, and we are switching to all Roth contributions, except for the 457B, where I'm not seeing a Roth option. We'll check on this. Say we don't want to cut back. You want to cut back. Say we do want to cut back on part-time or completely retired 55. Is there ever a scenario where it makes sense to not max out all the available retirement accounts and bundle some money into our brokerage, which is only about $20,000? If you recall, no, I don't recall. We have about $1.2 million in retirement accounts, not counting our 529 plans. We don't want to end up retirement rich and cash poor. Al, have you ever heard that? No, I've heard house rich and cash poor, but that's a new one. I've never like- heard of retirement rich. Man, I like it. I wish I wouldn't have saved so much. <laughs> I have so much money. Ah, 
but I'm I, so upset with myself. But I got no cash. I can't spend a, a penny, <laughs> Joe. What do I do? Oh, <laughs> uh, we will not have any type of pension or real estate income to bridge the gap for Social Security. There's always the rule of 55, but that would require one of us to completely separate from our employer. And we may not want to do that if we both want to work part time at our current employers. Lastly, I do have that rollover traditional IRA from a previous 401k rollover, all pre-tax dollars. Uh, we usually don't get a nice little tax refund each year. Would it make sense to convert, say, $20,000 or so up to the 24% tax bracket to forego that refund? Does that even make sense? I realize you probably won't get this by year's end, but would still like your take on it. Again, thanks for all you do. I've been binging episode ever since I discovered you guys about a month ago. Still have a sexy minivan and plan on driving it to the ground. Keep up the good work. Happy holidays, Renee. Okay. Retirement rich, cash poor. Yeah. Never heard of that. So I would continue to save as much as you possibly can. You can retire early. You can always take your money out of the retirement accounts at any age. You could do a 72T tax election. So it's an SEPP, separate equal periodic payment. So if they did want to retire prior to, let's say at 55, yeah, they could take their money out of their 401k plan. But if they still wanted to work part-time there, they could still take the money out. They could roll it into an IRA and do that election. It's not ideal, but they still have access to the cash. Um, do you like her to save? I guess her question is, if if I'm reading between the lines here, Big Al, is that yeah. they got $20,000. Does it make sense to put that into the 401k plan? Does it make sense to put it into a brokerage account? Or does it make sense to give that to the IRS for her to do larger conversions? Yeah, great question. I, I think... Um... If possible, I would I would take that extra money and put it into the the company retirement plan, but a Roth option is that's that's what I would do first, because you know then it's going to grow tax free. Uh, you 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 do have um, you know I guess we go through all the five year rules and all that. I guess it it just depends. We don't really know enough about what they're spending and if and if he does retire at fifty five, what the income sources are. I don't know. I, I certainly like the idea of putting money into a brokerage account, especially if you're going to retire early and need money to spend. But if there's a choice to put it in a Roth, I'd almost always rather do that. Here's the here's the, the order, right? So you go to the 401k into the match. So Roth, get the match. Pre-tax, get the match. I don't care. Right. And then if you qualify, then you go max out Roth IRAs. Okay. So that's her and the husband. If they don't qualify for the Roth IRA, then I would do traditional IRAs and then I would do the back door and convert them with basis. Then I would go back to the 401k, 403b, 457, max those out. If I still want to save, then the choice is for me anyway, my opinion would be to convert and use that extra cash to pay the IRS to get more money and leverage more money into Roth IRAs, or I would fill up the brokerage account. But the, the problem is, is that Renee wrote us, and she probably wrote us a real nice, nice long email, and it probably had all of her details in it, and it probably gave us everything of what we're trying to figure out now two months later um, on why we can't really answer these follow-up questions logically. Yeah, it it does make it harder, and then, but part of it though, four fifty seven B. So, uh, 
you know, if they don't have a Roth option, you probably can't do, I, if they have a Roth option, you can probably do an in-plan conversion. That would be probably a good idea. If they don't have a Roth option, I'm not sure you can do an in-service withdrawal, right? At that age. So I, you know, I, I don't know. You're right. We don't really have enough facts here. Well, we did, but we forgot <laughs> them all. Yeah. That was a couple months ago. That was pre-holidays. Paul from Southern New Jersey. Hi, Andy, Joe and Al, or Big Al. Long-time listener. I wonder what a long-time listener is. Yeah, more, than, more than one show. <laughs> more than one show. <laughs> Love your show. I've been taking RMDs from an inherited IRA for 12 years. Okay. Last year, I transferred the IRA to a new firm. I took the RMD after I transferred. It was the same year. I heard a couple of different opinions on timing of the RMD. I have been told I needed to take the RMD prior to transferring it. Have I caused myself problems with the IRS by taking the RMD post-transfer? Is there a certain form I need to prove it was transferred or that the withdrawal was to cover the RMD? Much appreciate your comments and opinion. Okay. Who's giving him these opinions, first off? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's don't like know. the most obscure question I've ever, we've ever received. And, and I, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm at this party. And I'm talking <laughs> to a couple of my buddies. And it's like, yeah, I transferred my inherited IRA after I've been taking 12 years of distributions. And they were like, oh, well, did you take the distribution before you transferred <laughs> or after? Well, I, I guarantee they were drinking bourbon at the party. <laughs> And he's like, well, no, I, I did it afterwards. Oh, I don't oh, know. Big problem. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I don't know there, Paul. Uh, no, uh, I don't see a problem at all. Uh, Do you? The IRS does not care where the, the money's at as long as the money comes out. Right. I mean, when, so, you, when you're thinking required minimum distribution. Um, on the an, timing on it is the calendar year. Yeah, yeah. On a, a it, you know, the it, when an inherited IRA, yeah, of course, it's just you got to do it by December thirty first. If it's your own IRA and you become of the age where you have to do required minimum distribution, the first required minimum dis distribution payment needs to be done April first of the year after you turn what used to be seventy two. Now it's just changed with the Secure Act, uh, either seventy three or seventy five. And I guess there's one other thing, and this is not inherited IRA, Joe, it's a regular IRA. If you have a regular IRA and you have to do required minimum distribution, you got to do that first before you do a Roth conversion. That could screw you up if you screw that up. But I've, I don't think I've never heard of any problem with transferring the IRA to a new brokerage house or bank. I don't, I don't care when you take the RMD. Yeah. Um, unless the, yeah, I, I'm just trying to, I'm racking my brain here of, of why, why it would be a problem. Why would be a problem. Um, your distribution, it's an inherited IRA. So he's taking distributions on the old rules. So he's taking a required distribution based on his life expectancy. And so <clears throat> with an inherited IRA, as long as you take the minimum out, you're not subject to the penalty. It, it does not matter where the hell the money's at. If it's no, it doesn't. At, if it's at Vanguard, then he transfers it to Charles Schwab. Unless the custodian has the issue with it of saying, you know, because the custodian has, this might be it. I don't know. I'm just totally, totally <laughs> making this up. Coming so, up with an explanation. Okay. Yeah. Unless the custodian 
um, because the custodians will 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 come up with the RMD number, right? So your money's at Fidelity, and then even though it's your responsibility to take the RMD and to take the appropriate amount, um, the the, the custodian will still run some of those numbers. Right. So they don't know, and the RMD is based on December thirty first, the year prior, um, to figure out what you need to take out the next year. So on twelve thirty one, you have X amount of dollars in your retirement account, and you have to take the RMD. You satisfy the RMD the following year based on the prior year's balance. So that could be it. Is like, all right, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. That's... Well, I, I get what you're thinking, which is, you know, the prior custodian is the one that computed it because they knew what your balance is. And the new custodian, whether, you know, Vanguard, Schwab, whatever, uh, wouldn't necessarily know that because they didn't know what the balance was. But uh, as long as you do the RMD with the new one, because you know the amount, you should be fine. I just brought up this article just because I'm trying to see if there's anything useful in it that replies yeah. to this. It's flat. All right, let's take a look at this. The way the rules work is that the first money distributed from your IRA in a year when you are required to take an RMD will automatically be considered your RMD with a rollover. There is no ability to take the RMD later. So this is a 60-day rollover. Yeah, it is. That's not what we got here. Right. So he he did an eight cat transfer. Maybe maybe that's what he got told is this. Right. If you're doing a 60 day rollover, then yeah, you never want to do a 60 day rollover. You always want to do an eight cat. Yeah, right. right. Because once you do a six because you can only do like one 60 day rollover a year and everything else. So yeah, you get yourself in trouble there. So I, I'm guessing he just did an eight cat transfer. I don't see an issue. But if he did a 60 day rollover, which he probably which he probably didn't, then there could be some stipulations. I, I don't think you're actually taking a distribution and then putting it back in. I don't think you could do a 60 day rollover on an inherited IRA. I don't think you can either. So I don't think that even applies. So I don't know. I would like to know where he goes to get his opinions. <laughs> well, we're oh. back folks. Um, we'll keep pumping some content out for 2023. Very exciting. Hopefully we'll, um, you know, keep it entertaining, uh, keep it light, um, but also very informative. Um, we appreciate everyone kind of hanging out with us over the years and hopefully 2023 will be a lot more good stuff. So uh, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you next time. Sunkissed, the five-hour energy drink, Al at the Kapalua Golf Tournament and YMYW's holidays in the derails at the end of the episode, so stick around. Help new listeners find your money, your wealth by leaving your honest reviews and ratings for YMYW in Apple podcasts, as well as Amazon, Audible, CastBox, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podknife, Spotify, and Stitcher. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Got my sun kiss going? Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah.
I got my coffee. Not a big soda drinker, but you know, I just need a little little energy boost. Need something, huh? Yeah, I guess. I don't even know if there's caffeine in some. Well, you but. used to drink uh, those what five five hour energy drinks or whatever oh, they yeah. called. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what happened. Like, <laughs> all, the, all of a sudden, we'd have to pause the show. Like, <laughs> <edit> some tremors. <laughs> oh, just the cold sweats. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, oh my god, okay, we right. gotta take a Yeah. Uh, yeah, five hour energies. I think they're they're illegal. They got to be illegal. Though. Yeah, it seems like I haven't I haven't seen them lately. Have you? Yeah, no, <laughs> I get scared. I get that. I start getting an anxiety attack when I see them. <laughs> How was your holiday? Good. Yeah, my, mine was mine was great. We had, gosh, we had uh, my mom, of course, the four of us, my brother and his family. My sister came out with her, actually, just one of her two kids. Uh, and yeah, I think we had like twelve or thirteen people. It was uh, chaos, but a lot of fun. Yeah, and then you're in and, Hawaii for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So it's not all bad. Yeah. Once you get, yeah, we kind of. I went to volunteer at the. Um, Kapalua PGA golf tournament. Hell of a golf tournament, huh? Little John yeah. Rahm coming out of nowhere. Yeah. That was a big surprise, Joe, because it's, you know, Colin Morikawa had a six stroke lead to start the day and uh, just kind of fell apart. And John Rahm just killed it that day. So a couple things had to happen to make that shift. I think John won by like three strokes. So it wasn't really even close at the end. Yeah. Crazy. Awesome tournament. You, have you played yeah. out there at Kapalua? Uh, yeah, uh, we actually played on Monday. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. How'd you play? Uh, pretty rough, the first part, which is typical for me, and then I started to get the hang of it. <laughs> That's fun. It's an awesome course. It's fun. We we couldn't play the plantation course because it's still got the turnip, so we played the bay course, and that was fun, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, both of them are awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How were your holidays? It was good. Yeah, very good. Nice little break from the action and um yeah just kind of stuck around played a little golf and enjoyed yep. uh, uh enjoyed time with fam so yeah, yeah yeah so andy how was yours i was sick so i got to stay home and and hide from everybody <laughs> oh, <laughs> just boy. started coming back out, out into the world a couple of weeks ago so what'd you have like kind of the the cough like congested was, croup yeah it was just a little bit of runny nose flemminess cough and that was kind of you know a bit of a sore throat and then of course had to pass it to my mother and yeah so it, it made the made the rounds but we're all no. good now so well we're all good so, yeah i'm actually i'm actually going to be going to see my grandmother for thanksgiving and for christmas next weekend oh in january okay. yep yeah oh. why, didn't why get not? to see her in december so we're doing it this month where does grandma live in orange county oh so that's not too far no not at all oh. yeah She's got an annual tradition of giving me a Christmas ornament on Thanksgiving, and we didn't get a chance to do that, so I'll go up and get my Christmas ornament next weekend. Very good. There you yeah. go. 